Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. Exciting episode today. Joining me is UConn football coach Jim Mora. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Coach, I, I know you've been at UConn uh, for a few months now, but I, I, I want to look back for a minute at, at the start here. Take me back a few months. What was the first thing that, that came to your mind when you heard the UConn job was open? Well, it was a job that I wanted immediately. And I'll tell you why. I, uh, I was familiar with this place. I'd been working at ESPN for three years, so I'd spent a lot of time um, in this area. I uh, had been on campus um, a couple times, so I, I knew about the facilities. It's obviously a national brand, primarily for academics and, and basketball. But um, as I got into conversations with um, David Benedict, our athletic director, it became very apparent to me that this was a place that wanted to regain that prominence that they had on the football field as well. And uh, it seemed like a, a fantastic situation. Um, I'm a guy that likes to be challenged, that likes to go uphill, um, and this seemed like a place where I could really be inspired, and so I'm just grateful every day I get to come to work here. You mentioned the time at ESPN, and, and I'm curious, I, I know you're a football lifer, you've been involved in coaching at, at some level, going back to 1980s, what were you able to learn about the game, being a little bit removed more so from the sidelines, and doing some of that TV work, and being away from having the headset on uh, down on the sideline? I think it was really beneficial. It was, uh, as you just said, it gave me a chance to kind of step back a little bit, um, not be so involved on a week-to-week basis and just preparing for my own game, but taking a look at what people were doing around the country. Um, I did I did studio work, but I also did color at games. And when I would do color at games, I would go uh, to the game site, get there early, go to practice, meet with coaches. So I was able to see how people were doing things. Um, I was able to see how they practiced, how they met, what their, what their uh, structure was like leading into a game, what their structure was like during a week, um, how they talked to their players. I was also able to see trends that were happening in football and, uh, and see what people were doing right and see where people were missing the mark. You know, on Saturdays, I would sit in that ESPN studio from noon until midnight with about 12 screens in front of me and watch, you know, a hundred games and, uh, or at least parts of, you know, games. And so, mm-hmm. you know, watching decisions that were being made, um, in terms of clock management or game management just gave me a chance to really analyze, uh, big picture stuff. And it was, it was very, 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 very valuable to me. I know when a coach comes and takes over a program, there are probably a few steps you're looking at doing initially to, to kind of get the program in your direction. When you step on campus here, what was the first couple of things you did here at UConn to, to really bring in the Mora era of UConn football here? Well, the first thing was I needed to make sure I gave the, the staff that was in place. Because remember, I came with three games left in the season. I need to give them room to work and do their thing and not be a distraction. Mm -hmm. But I think the most important thing initially was to hire a coaching staff that was in alignment with what we wanted to become as a program, um, both from a schematic sense and just the culture that we wanted to create. And so I was able to spend a good, good amount of time 
with my director of football, um, Pat Collins, um, analyzing who we wanted to be and how we wanted to become what we wanted to be and who the people were that we wanted on the bus with us. And I think we were able to hire a great staff. And then the other thing is just trying to evaluate the, the current players mm-hmm. and what have been some of the things maybe that have held the program back the last few years and how we could address that going forward so we could have some success. As you take over, I know one thing that's been big and, you know, wasn't necessarily as big of a thing back when you were at UCLA has been the, the transfer portal. How has that helped you in rebuilding this program and getting it back into the place you're looking to? Because it seems like, you know, just looking at, at the talent that's come in through the portal is you, you brought in some pretty high-level players. It's, uh, it's been a blessing for us. It's not something that I want to depend on every year because I think uh, mm-hmm. the best thing you can do is build your team from, you know, incoming freshmen that, you know, walk sure. in and are maybe a little bit more impressionable and willing to adapt to your culture. I don't want to become a team of mercenaries. So even when we do go into the portal, we have to be very selective as the type of person that we are you know, bringing into the program. But it's helped us because it's enabled us to add talented veteran players, guys that have played in big games, in the Big Ten, in the SEC, in the ACC, in the Pac-12, um, and in the Big 12. You know, guys that have been in front of big crowds against great players on the other side and have some experience. And, uh, it, it, you know, I think we've got uh, 18. It'll end up being probably more than that. Um, you know, transfer portal kids coming in or already in, and uh, you combine that with the recruits that we brought in, and uh, I wouldn't say it's a complete makeover, but it certainly creates competition, and it gives us that experience that we want. You know, one thing about the portal is you have to be very careful with who you take because you have to protect your culture, but at the same time, you are getting guys that have played in games rather than depending on incoming freshmen that have never played at this level. So it can be very helpful as long as you manage it the right way. Along with the, the transfer portal, it seems like you and your staff have also played uh, placed an emphasis on establishing those relationships with, with the Connecticut players and, and with the Connecticut high school coaches. I know you yourself have been out at some of the Connecticut football playoff games in the fall. What's it been like getting to establish those relationships and kind of the state of the high school football scene here in Connecticut? It's been fun to get to know these men um, and see how passionate they are about their programs and even more so the players in their program and also feel um, how much they care about keeping the kids in Connecticut that are good football players and good students and high character people home, you know, where, where we can watch them play, you know, the people that have grown up have watched them grow up and play can come down to the rent and watch them play. And so, it's really important for us to do a great job in Connecticut and in the surrounding areas, but we're talking about Connecticut and primarily Connecticut because we are the school of Connecticut where these players that grew up playing here have a desire to be Yukon Huskies. The other thing that, you know, has been interesting for me and and different than I'm used to is the prep schools um, Mm -hmm. and the wealth of talent that's in the prep schools now, these aren't always kids from Connecticut or even the Northeast. Sometimes they're from California, Texas, you know, down south, other places. But there is a wealth of talent in the prep schools as well. But, you know, if, if there's a, 
if there's a kid from the state of Connecticut and he's a good football player and he fits, you know, what we're looking for in terms of football character, personal character, motivation, uh, being selfless, being a team player, then we want him to grow up wanting to be a Yukon Husky. And then we want him to become a Husky. <laughs> <laughs> As you started to take over the job here, I, I know one of the things that's been a, a big talking point, whether it's within the, the national media, I know the fan base is pretty high on it. it seems like some of the players are, uh, or a lot of the players have, have mentioned the independence and, and that schedule of flexibility there as a, as a big plus for them. What have been your thoughts on being an independent now that you've been with the team for a few months here? Well, I think it certainly has its advantages. And the advantages are, as you just mentioned, we can create a schedule that is challenging, very competitive, gives us a lot of exposure um, and a lot of flexibility. And that that's outstanding. Um, you know, we play a difficult schedule. We play a national schedule. Um, and that's a lot of fun. So we're, we're really happy about that. It also poses challenges, though. And we just have to find ways to work through those challenges. And I, you know, I have complete faith that David Benedict is going to do the right thing. I think that the landscape of college football is ever changing. I think there's, you know, major realignment in the next year. And, uh, you know, we just have to position ourselves as a team that people are interested in having in their conference. And then David will decide, you know, what's best for us. And I know that he'll always make the best decision for this football team and for this university. So my job is to just try to put together a program that be competitive on the field. that represents, you know, the, the alums and the state of UConn off the field and goes out and wins football games. And then we'll let that other stuff happen as it happens. Absolutely. As we're, you know, starting to get into summer here and get, getting closer to the fall, I know, know fans are starting to think a little bit more about the football team. For someone who maybe hasn't watched a, a Jim Mora coach team in the past, what can fans expect out of a Mora coach team heading into this season? Well, um, we'll play physical. We'll play fast. Um, we'll be disciplined. Uh, we don't make a lot of mistakes. Our players will play with tremendous energy. Um, we'll fight to the very end winning or losing, you know, battling back or playing with a lead, we're going to, we're going to fight. Um, you'll see consistency. You'll also see a team that I don't think you can peg offensively or defensively or special teams and, and put them in any particular category. We're going to do what's best for our players. We're going to put our players and the, the talent that they have in position to make plays. So, You'll see elements of everything on of everything on defense, and you'll see a special team unit that is always looking to either steal a possession or, you know, block a kick or, uh, you know, make a play in the return game to help us either get field position or score, and we'll, we'll be aggressive. What do you see in the team this spring? Uh, getting to work with them, I know fans got a little bit of some insight into it, whether it was at the uh, the spring game there or through the uh, the YouTube series, which I, I thought was fantastic, by the way. But what did you see out of the team this spring? You know that impressed you and, and you know got you feeling good about this team heading into the season. Let me tell you what I didn't see, and this was the most exciting thing for me: is I did not see, nor did I feel any sense of entitlement out of these players. They don't feel like they are 
that they should be given anything. They want to work for everything. And that's very refreshing um, to be around a group of young men that look at you with an eagerness in their eyes and uh, are willing to just really do anything that you ask to the best of their ability and, and want to work for it. And so that was the most exciting thing to me is the attitude of the players and the buy-in and the commitment. Um, I, I loved that, you know, and then, yeah, I, I think there's some, some players on this team that are going to continue to develop and become very, very good football players. You know, we're a very young team. We have a lot of work to do. Um, there's going to be some bumps in the road, but I like the character of this football team. Coming in year one, what type of goals do you set for the program this season that, that you'd like to see the team accomplish? Maybe even things that you know won't show up in you know wins and losses and, and things of that nature. But what are the goals that you have for this team for this first year? That's a great question. The way you put it, I think, is really, really meaningful. Um, obviously, we're always going to be judged on wins and losses. But, you know, we've the team that's won 10 games in the last five years. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um, you know, I'm not going to put a, a win total, uh, this team that to me, at least to me and other people can decide how they want to judge it. But to me, it's going to define whether we're making progress or not. I want to be able to turn on the film on Saturday night or Sunday and ignore the scoreboard and see us play a certain way. And that's with toughness and discipline. And that's with uh, great passion and great effort and selflessness. And I want to see guys doing it the right way technically and uh, and getting better every single week. And then I want to feel the things that I've felt so far in terms of the character of this football team and the lack of, you know, a sense of entitlement and guys that are just, you know, just hungry to get better and hungry to do it the right way. And I want to see a team that every single day you know, walks into this building with the intentions of getting better and, and progress. And I want to see a team that understands how to handle success. And I want to see a team that understands how to overcome adversity because we're going to face both of those things as we go through this season. And if we can start making progress in those ways, which I, we already have made progress, then I think it's going to lead to good things here. And, you know, people always talk about the process. It's the process process and i guess what i'm describing is the process as you move you know from the spring uh, type of practice there and what you were looking for there and players start to come back to campus i know it was move-in day and you start to work with the team over the summer what are you looking for different different out of this team in these summer months leading up to the season compared to what you saw in the spring um a better understanding obviously of what we're trying to do offensively and defensively on special teams um an, an increase, or not an increase, but just a continue, continuing to build that camaraderie and that, that brotherhood that it takes to be successful. I'm looking for leaders to step up. The guys that you know are going to uh, you know, grab the bull by the horns if things aren't going well, uh, pull people in the right direction. Um, you know, uh, What's really fun is to be around a group of guys that when you walk in here on a Saturday and a Sunday in June or you know, April or July, uh, May, they're usually off. That's why I didn't say May, are out on the field working, you know, on their own. And they're organized and they're, you know, they're getting good work 
done. And so, you know, that's what I see. Like, I, I'm looking out in our field right now, and there's about 50 guys out there working. And they don't have to be out there right now, but they are out there right now. And they're having fun doing it. So it's not it's not a burden. It's, it's, it's not something they have to do. It's something that they want to do. And that, to me, is very inspiring. I, I've got to ask, one thing I, I love about what you and your staff have brought to this program, it has been some buzz, especially on the social media front, whether it's with, with the Husky Revolution, some of the content you put out. How important do you see that part is getting UConn back, you know, back up to where, where people are expecting it, at least you know, from creating some sort of buzz perspective around the program and getting people out to rent your field this year? Well, it definitely creates a buzz. And Robert Tremblay, who's our director of creative content does an outstanding job with his staff. Um, and you know, it, it, it's fun to watch and fun to see and, you know, we're enjoying it. But at the end of the day, uh, we need to win. But I will tell you this there, I think there's a correlation between what we're doing socially and social media field with Robert and that staff and winning because when there's more eyes on you, there's more potential for you to find a recruit that can come in and help you. There's more interest in your program. You know, it's not just UConn. It's, oh, wait, hey, they put out some pretty cool stuff. I Let me click on their link and let me see see what they're doing. Let me, let me go to their Twitter page. Let me go to their Instagram page. And all of a sudden, there's a little hook that you've got that maybe interests a player that, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't have been interested had he not seen that stuff. So, it's really a great opening and in, into what our program is and get insight into what our program is. I think Robert, as I said, he does an absolutely amazing job with that stuff. So, you know, it is important this day and age. For sure. I, I've got some, you know, lightning round quicker questions here as we get, get towards the end here that I want to throw your way. College football, I know, and college basketball too, but the two of those sports are really all about the atmospheres. You're going to a big one in Michigan this fall. Where's the toughest place in your career you brought a team on the road? Uh, Lambeau Field. Not even close. Yeah. What was it like uh, as part of the interview process? I, I know David Benedict came out to your house for a couple days, and I asked him about this when he came on my podcast because I, I thought it was so cool that you guys did this. What was it like having him with you for a couple days there? Shoot, it was fun. It was about five days. And so it gave us a chance to, to be able to take our time evaluating you know, him evaluating me, me evaluating the situation here, um, really, you know, getting into the weeds of what it was going to take to turn this place into a successful program again, um, how we'd work together. It was awesome. And, you know, there was no pressure on us to make something happen really, really fast. So we were able to really have good conversations. They weren't always about football. They weren't always about UConn. They were a lot about family, um, personal philosophy, you know, what we like to do are, are you know, I mean, it, it was just, it was really, it was really cool, you know, going to, you know, we going to the places I wanted to take him to dinner, you know, going to Grumpy's for a burger, going to La for a burrito, going up to the douching room for a, you know, a, a cocktail. So, uh, you know, it's kind of showing him the world of Sun Valley, Idaho, and yet doing it in a way that gave us a chance to really learn about each other. Absolutely. No, really cool opportunity there. I, I'm also curious, as part of the interview process, it seems like you, you got to meet with you know people as high up as the governor in the state. And just having grown up here and following UConn 
football for so long. It seems like you necessarily haven't always seen that buy-in at, at all of those levels. What's it been like coming here and knowing that you've got buy-in from, you know, as high as the governor in the state here? Well, I felt it during the interview process. You know, as you said, a lot of the initial meetings were obviously via Zoom, but being able to get uh, on a Zoom call with um, our board of directors here at UConn, Dan Toscano and others, and being able to, uh, you know, talk to the governor via Zoom um, and, you know, several of our prominent alums and supporters and, you know, people in, in, in our government that it was really important to, uh, and it is important to that we have a, a good program. It was, it was fantastic. And then I got to meet them all in person and it was, it was great, you know, because you know that everyone gets, it, it's really what gave me that, that secure feeling that this was going to be a great place for, for me to be. And that it was going to be a great place for these players and the coaches we hired to be, and that we had a chance to, to have success because we do have support. One thing I, I noticed since you, you've been at UConn, it has been, you've been very active in the UConn community. You're going out to all different events, to, to games and everything. What, what's been your favorite part about being at UConn so far? <laughs> My favorite part has been the players, to be honest with you, just being around them. I, I really miss that when I, when I left UCLA, but I, I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy being in the community I uh, enjoy trying to, you know, add value to things that we're trying to accomplish in this state. You know, I immediately when I when I moved somewhere and I came here, you know, I I, I talk um, as if this is, you know, our state. This is where I live. This is, you know, this is where I'm invested now because uh, I think that's really important. And uh, I just enjoyed feeling the passion. I tell you what I loved is just like I love basketball season. First of all, I went as many games as I did, but I love and Kathy, uh, we love to go to games and support our student athletes. I've been to men's hockey, women's hockey, softball, baseball, basketball, of course, both basketballs. I've been to lacrosse. I haven't been to field hockey yet. I've been to track and field. Um, I've been to volleyball. Uh, I have not been to swimming yet. Um, I was up late last night, you know, um, Sunday, watching baseball. God, got to get one tonight. But uh, yep. getting to know the coaches, getting to know the players, you know, getting to know the student athletes, it's just like that's my favorite part is being part of a university community and just feeling that support and being able to go out and support others is awesome. Yeah, no, it's great, and it is great to see you out there. I know the, the fans love it. I, I'm curious because we, we've got a few guys now at UConn who come from a, a background of having a, a dad who's been in the spotlight. In basketball, you've got Dan Hurley, who, whose dad was a big-time uh, high school basketball coach and well-known. You have Luke Murray on, on the staff there, whose dad was a well-known actor. And now, now you, what was it like growing up with, with a dad who was in the spotlight and what was the biggest lesson you learned from him, whether it's football or, or life in general? Well, my dad and I are close. We've always been very close. Um, football's always been my passion. I don't know that there was a day that I didn't think I was really going to end up being a football coach or at least involved in football and management at some point. But uh, my dad's always been a real mentor to me. 
I, I don't look at him as someone that's a public figure, although, you know, with his, some of the rants he's had, you know, his pure honesty with the media, he's become, he's become well-known. Um, to me, he's just someone I can lean on um, that's going to tell me the truth, that's going to tell me when he thinks we're doing it right and when we're not. I mean, he watches our films. He watches our games. I got him on Twitter. I got him on Instagram so he can kind of follow the news. Um, when I talk to him, he has a million questions for me. Uh, and he, he keeps me in check. So I'm really fortunate, um, to have that. He'll, you know, he's, he, he turns 87 or he just turned 87. So he's getting up there a little bit in age, but he hasn't, you know, he doesn't miss a beat. He'll be at our games as much as he can be with my mom. So I consider myself very, very, very lucky. I mean, he, he's going He's going to shoot straight with me. If, I'm, if, he, doesn't, if he doesn't like what he sees, he, he tells me. Oh, that's great. I'll, I'll get you out of here on this one. I'm not going to ask the Tupac question. I know I'm not going to get an answer from you out of that one. But maybe maybe a secret I can get out of you. I, I saw you made what, what looked like a pretty good batch of cookies for the team yesterday. What, what, what's the secret to your chocolate chip cookie recipe there? Uh, the secret to my chocolate chip cookie recipe would be me staying out of the way and letting Kathy make them, and then you know, <laughs> I always put them. We always put them on uh, uh, like uh, grocery bags, you know, so it kind of okay. some of the the moisture out of them. But they're 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 really they're pretty darn good. I, I I'm gonna tell you this: today is a day I do not need to eat because yesterday I I mean I almost exploded. I had some of those cookies. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Coach Moore, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. Really looking forward to, to seeing what you and the team can do this season. So best of luck. Thank you. I look forward to talking again and meeting you in person. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.